walks on his feet. He looks up and gives me a grin and says, Hey, dude, you too must be from Marin. Marin County's A-OK from Tamastin and all the way to M.A. Fresh organic veggies in the market every day. Welcome back to the Run TMC podcast. That's the Run the Marin County podcast, a podcast about basketball in Marin County. This is Dave Levine, and my friend and co-host Duffy Boward and I are thrilled to give you guys episode three of the week in our week of interviews, a gift to our listeners. But first, before we get to this awesome interview, a quick shout out to our sponsors, The Hub, North Bay Basketball Academy, Karen Horstmeyer, Jesse and Laurent, and Nike Camps at San Domenico. Before we get to the interview, here's a snippet from the Bam Bauer Tournament at Marin Catholic that uh, our studly leader, Duffy Bauer, recorded. Take it away, Duff. I'm with friend of the podcast, Daryl Rory. We're uh, up in the Nelson Room. We're watching Urban and Vintage play. And just a quick take from Daryl, who's been officiating here and also watching. What's the uh, what's the craziest thing you've seen at the Van Bauer? Uh, well, uh, there's been some close games, but um, unfortunately, there's been a few blowouts. But I guess I could go to the game I did yesterday, uh, up and down, high scoring game, and uh, what an ending uh, to yesterday. Uh, Mills was up three with five seconds to go at the free throw line. Um, to ice the game. Uh, the player missed both free throws. Lincoln races down court, shoots a three, makes the three, and got fouled, and went to the free throw line, made the free throw, game over. Game over, wow. So, so yeah, so it was a lesson learned for the players, the coach, you know, that how to, you know, game manage, you know, the end of a game. And, I mean, we've seen that even with the Warriors about do you foul the player, you know, um, Worst he can do, yeah. yeah. Take five. Worst he can do is go to the free throw line, make two free throws. You're still up one. So that was about the most. Uh, that's yeah. And there's still anything. Still a day and a half to go, but uh, yeah, that that's yes. one of memorable, many memorable moment, moments from the Van uh, Bauer. Yes, here. we got some good games coming up later today. So um, you know, looking forward to that. After uh, I leave work, I might come back by. But yeah, yeah so that's it so far. So looking for a good finish here. Yeah, uh, we'll let you get back to your turkey sandwich. Thanks, Daryl. Thank you. All right, on to our next interview. This one was a great one. Kenny Woodard and Jordan Lewis, two phenomenal basketball players, phenomenal people. Uh, the four of us, Duffy, myself, Kenny, and Jordan, were sitting around my kitchen table, and this was a really fun one. Uh, Duff, any anything to add? No, yeah, they're both amazing basketball players, but also very thoughtful, have world experiences that not many people have, and they're bringing them back here locally. And I know, uh, as I've uh, mentioned in the interview, uh, that my son Holden spent some time uh, with the 24-8 program. Kenny in particular, he really gets the kids working extremely hard and is uh, great at motivating them. I think he's just got sort of a cool factor with them, which is hard to replicate. And that goes a long way towards motivating eighth graders, ninth graders, 10th graders. Uh, so yeah, enjoy this interview. I will also say, Dave, that at one point we asked Kenny what his best time in the 17. So the 17 is running the width of the court 
back and forth 17 times. We do that a lot in our practices. And when I brought back the 51 seconds to our team, there were some looks of awe, but then not particularly surprised because most of them have seen Kenny, Kenny the play. Um, and uh, no one on our team is close to 51. All right, so two-on-two game, Jordan and Kenny versus you and me. Um, how quickly do they get to 11? To, to 11 it's going to be 11 nothing, Kenny and Jordan, but how quickly do they get to the 11? I think we go two corners, Dave, and we run out the clock. Yeah, that's a great yeah. idea. Just stall. I don't think – I think uh, we score. I think we score. I'm not, not going mean, to come on this podcast and say we're not going to score against them. I'm not going to guarantee victory, but I'm also not going to guarantee being shut out. You might hit a shot. Kenny, Kenny likes me. He, he might let me get right. a shot off. Um, <laughs> anyway, this was a, this was really fun. And they're two uh, inspirational guys. Um, and they're so great with kids. It's fun to watch um, them work with kids as they're two of the premier skills trainers around. So um, enjoy the interview. All right. Jordan Lewis, Kenny Woodard. Thanks for being here, guys. Thanks for having us. Great to see you. Um, so I'll do some uh, some intros on you guys to give our listeners some context. Kenny, you're sitting next to me. I'm going to go with you. Yeah. Uh, Tara Linda High, class of 2010. 2010. Played for Farb Scene. Uh, we're going to come back to this, Kenny, but Kenny dealt with some tragedy in high school uh, as he lost his mom at a young age, and he was able to, to fight through that and keep playing. Um, showed amazing strength and character and went on to have an amazing basketball career. Um, after TL, you played at Skyline for a bit, right? Yes. And then Sac City. Yes. And then got a scholarship to play Division Two at Westminster College in Utah. Um, huge accomplishment. And then, as we've talked about a lot in these podcasts, to play pro basketball was no small feat. Kenny went on to play many years in Mexico and Puerto Rico as a professional. He's a phenomenal player. He's played in the San Francisco Pro-Am League. Were, were you MVP of the league? No. But, Should have been, but you won the you won the <laughs> yeah, title. We won the title. Yes, and they gave were, it to somebody who didn't win the title. And you just were giving everybody buckets. I yes. saw you play there. Okay, so unofficially, right? Unofficially, <laughs> we're we're going to say that you were MVP. <laughs> um, you then um, so after his pro days, uh, you know maybe you'll still play pro. I don't know, but you came back to the Bay Area and you started training kids, and you're one of the best I've ever seen at skills training um, because you're really good at it, but then you also make it fun. And kids just love training with you. And I actually, as you know, coached a CYO team for years, my older daughter, Lucy. And a couple years ago, I started sending my CYO girls to, to you. Um, and you made it fun for them. And they, they wanted to go work on their game. Um, so uh, you've had a huge impact on many kids in this county. Um, and with that said, you leveraged your success as a skills trainer and built 24-8, which is a very successful and growing club basketball program that you and Jordan are both a part of. We're going to give you guys a chance to talk about that in a little bit. Um, so, Kenny, thanks for being here, buddy. Thanks for having me. Jordan Lewis. Hey, how's it going? Awesome. Uh, Jordan is fantastic player for Terra Linda, class of 07. So, mm-hmm. a little bit older than Kenny. Yeah, a little, little bit. A little bit taller than Kenny. <laughs> yeah, a couple feet. Fair. Yeah. A little bit better looking. Just a little bit better than Kenny, <laughs> basically. It's so an upgrade, right? Across the board. It's an, up, it's an upgrade. The classic model, right? Exactly. Uh, so Jordan was a class of 07, also played for Farbstein, uh, was a really good player in the MCAL. At a time when the MCAL was really good, we're going to talk about that. Mm-hmm. He then went to Cal Poly, uh, where he played Division One. Our friend Dave Deneen, 
who we talked to before was at Cal Poly when Cal Poly went Division One. By the time Jordan got there, they were a well-established program. Um, he then went on to play pro ball in Israel for a decade, uh, which is amazing. And now is back, and he's helping Kenny with 24-8. Um, he's also played, you also played in the Pro-Am, right? A little bit, yeah. A little bit, yeah. okay. Um, so both of these guys played professional basketball, which is not an easy feat. And they're both just awesome teachers, coaches, communicators, skills trainers. And you both also, I want to talk about kind of leveraging fitness and into your training, right? Yeah. So it's not just about skills. It's about being in shape, overall body fitness. Um, so really psyched to have both of you. So let's start with Terralinda because let's give TL some love. Um, Coach Farbstein, been there forever. Great guy. Um, Jordan, let's start with you. How would you describe Coach Farbstein? What type of a coach was he? Um, you know, I, I had a great time um, playing for Farbstein. You know, he, he's a really special coach um, for me. I think one of the most uh, interesting things about him is that he really allowed us as players to have uh, open conversation with him. So it didn't really feel like he was um, he was he he was he wasn't silencing us. He gave us a yeah. voice. He gave us the opportunity yeah. to be leaders ourselves and really have our own input into. Um, you know, the system and, and there are strategies that we're going into. Um, especially personally, I felt that way. You know, yeah. I felt like he gave me a lot of responsibility and a lot of uh, open opportunity to, opportunity to do that uh, on my teams. Yeah. And uh, what position did you play in high school? Uh, point forward. I was, I was, uh, yeah. I grew up playing, I was always like an undersized forward. Uh, I grew up playing power forward, center. Um, I'd bring up the ball sometimes, yeah. you know, kind of start the offense, then go to the block and work from down there. And it's kind of been my whole career that way. Yeah. Um, you know, but he gave me, he gave me um, the opportunity to expand my game a little bit. And I appreciated that, you know, um, but we, he was a, he was a tough coach. You know, we, we worked a lot on defense. Yeah. Um, we were, we were known for our defensive um, ability and we would hold teams to very low scoring totals um a little bit different from uh kenny's teams over here where they're just running up and down <laughs> kenny's like defense what what's that <laughs> but uh no we, we we had a lot of pride in that and um farb scene was part of the reason why we yeah. were so good um at defense and um i think we had a great team dynamic and we got our players playing really good basketball and team basketball awesome yeah kenny what do you got how would you describe farb scene's style uh um i loved it um, for me personally, um, you know, every every player, you know, adapts differently to different coaches. For me, with Farbstein, um, I felt more confident when I was on the court. Yeah. You know, um, he definitely gave me, the, you know, the freedom, you know, and to make mistakes. Yeah. Right. Um, even though I gave him a hard time majority of the, you know, time, but you know, it was good. You know, he was a great coach. Um, you know, he was staying on top of me in regards to like, okay, is he going to make grades? What's happening? Right. Um, but, uh, you know, he pushed everybody to practice. You know, everybody came in, were locked in, knew what we had to do. And that's because of just kind of like his system and how he wanted things done. Yeah. And that's why he's, you know, had such a great, you know, success as a coach. Even though, you know, we should have won some titles, right? But, um, yeah. you know, I loved him. Like, well, it's, it's interesting, like, because TL, if you look at, the size of the school. I don't know what the enrollment is at, at TL. I should know that. But, um, you know, you got some big schools in Marin, like Redwoods, you know, north of 2,000 kids. Mm -hmm. You got schools like MC and Branson that are private, 
where they can draw kids from everywhere. I mean, Terra Linda is not a very big population center, right? It's kind of like the same as Novato, mm-hmm. right? So to, to be good, it's, it's hard for those schools to compete, mm-hmm. right? So you guys had some really good years when you were, you were playing, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. So part of that is you guys are super talented, and I, you got to say part of that is, is Farbstein really, really was a great coach. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, right? for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, very cool. So let's talk about the MCAL in your era. Um, Jordan, you're the you're the elder statesman here. Let's talk to you. <laughs> you're the old man. Um, you had some good teams in the league, right? So who who were who were your biggest competition? Yeah, I mean, I felt like the MCAL back then was a very strong league. Uh, I remember coming in as a freshman. I didn't play varsity my freshman year, but I got moved up in the playoffs, which was yeah. you know, a great opportunity, very exciting. But you know, you had guys like. Michael Turner and Khalil Bell yep. on uh, Marine Catholic, who I got to play against the next year when they were their seniors and I was a sophomore. Um, uh, I think Tam had a really good team my freshman year and junior year. Yeah. Um, and then over the years, you know, you saw you had the Bransons who were just a powerhouse and yeah. and uh, Drake with a lot of talent and um, you know. Uh, even even the the Novatos of the world, I had two two close friends that I grew up playing with that played over there, and they were some of the toughest teams that I've played yeah. against. You know, um, I think the league was a pre- in a pretty good spot back then, and you had a lot of high level talent that ended up going to play post high school somewhere, yeah. whether it was Division One, D two, D three, junior college, or whatever. Um, totally, That's guys great. with a lot of experience because that was kind of around the time too, uh, going into. Our high school time was when AAU had become really big. Yeah. So you had a lot of players that have had kind of experience outside of the local pools of uh, basketball. So that was kind of when the circuit was becoming really big. So you had people playing against top level national talent. Um, were you? I was gonna. I was gonna come back to that, but why don't we talk about it now? Yeah. So were, did you play AAU? Yes. In, in yeah. High I played. I started. So I grew up playing was YMCA, then CYO, and I think it was after fourth grade uh, in fifth grade. After that season, I started playing AAU basketball along with CYO with some of the, yeah. all the local guys from the CYO league here. So yeah. um, the guys from up in Novato or any other part of Marin. Um, we, we had a t- No, that was before that. It was uh, the oh. Sharpshooters. Um, so a lot of the guys at Marin Catholic. And I played with them from cool. fifth grade until through high school. Um, awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so Very it was cool. a great experience. Kenny, how was MCAL in your in your era, young man? <clears throat> young man. <laughs> I felt like it was pretty competitive, right? When I look back at it, you know, there was a, across the board, you know, with all you know the, the players at each school, there was some, some really good talent, yeah. right? Um, and like Jordan said, that, you know, went on to go play elsewhere, you know. Um, Branson, of course, the powerhouse. Um, yeah. Redwood was pretty good. I know Campagno had, you know, a couple, you yeah. know, Good years with some with a few of those teams. Um, Reed Nottingham, he had you know some players. Brian Crow, yeah, um, that went on to play what Sonoma State, and then went to play at Oregon. Walked on at Oregon. Um, Drake was always pretty good. You know, I know we always saw them in the playoffs. Yeah, um, but uh, I felt like it was pretty competitive. Were um, you? I mean, so I've seen you play a lot, and you're really, really, really good. In high school, were you really, really, really good? I was really, really small when I look back at it, right? Yeah. You know, and I was just like, did I, you lift? Like, the, no. Like, so, because your your strong upper body, it was not. It, that wasn't there. That didn't exist then. Okay. 
Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know, just my speed, the ability to shoot, yeah. and just kind of like, you know, the awareness for the game just kind of came natural a little bit for me. Yeah. And allowed me to, you know, adjust to um, the competition and who I was playing against. So we, we interviewed t- our buddy Tom Poser. Uh, Kind of love that guy. You know Tom Poser. Um, and Tom had a... I, I keep coming back to this because I love the way he put it. He said, like, all right, I played basketball for 40 years, roughly. And there may be three years in my life where I made this big leap in terms of skills and mindset. And he can remember those years. Like, one was maybe in high school. One was maybe when he was, you know, playing post... In college, whatever. For you guys, can you think of a time, and I'm thinking still high school, like was there one year where you made a really big leap in terms of, oh, I can do this? Um, Yeah, I think uh, it was after my sophomore season, so going into my junior season, I started working out with an athletic trainer over in Oakland, uh, Anthony Eagleton. Um, He's worked with most of the top level basketball players coming out of the Bay Area, and uh, football players, other sports too, but like yeah. everyone from Damian Lillard to um, all the guys from Cal and yeah. and all over. Um, and so I started lifting with him a, a couple days a week and it made such a huge difference athletically um, for me. And um, that was a huge step up, realizing I can pretty much just impose myself on the court athletically and physically yeah. over most people. Um, and then also working with uh, Phil Handy, um, you know, we were, we were getting in the gym doing skill work and um, it really helped expand my game beyond the positions I've been playing up until then. Yeah. So giving me more comfort with the ball in my hand and allowing me to, to just, you know, take the next step and start thinking about college and, you know, allow my game to be more competitive. Um, yeah, we talked about Phil with, with Rick Winter, right? Because Rick had Phil at the in the MC gym 20 years ago, mm-hmm, right, yeah. when Phil was starting out. Yep. And now he's, yep. you know, obviously working with the <laughs> Lakers. I mean, he's he's everywhere, 94 feet a game. Like, yep. that's, that's amazing that you got to got to work with yeah, him. Yeah, we were there at the beginning. Yeah. That, was, that was all us in Marin Catholic, Terra Linda, 294 yeah. when it first started. Um, that's great. Yeah, it was special. Kenny, how about you? Um, any years in high school where you, you made a big jump, you think? Uh, honestly, I don't think it really came until after high school. Okay. What I will say is that I think going into my junior year, my the my confidence level was a lot higher um, as far as, like, you know, the ability to score, ability to defend, and just kind of like, okay, like, maybe I can do something after high school as well. Yeah. Um, just kind of going off how I played my senior year. But I, I think that leap didn't really come until after high school when I realized that, okay, like, you know, I got to put a little size to, to, to me. You know, yeah. I got to get in the weight room. Um, so I think for me, it, it, it came after high school. Nice, nice. And that I, you see that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk about recruiting. And uh, so, uh, Kenny, let's start with you. So you go, you go the JC route, yeah. right? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about... <laughs> Your, your journey through JC and to, and to Westminster, but like if you're giving advice to kids now when they're thinking about, all right, I'm a senior in high school, I'm a good player, maybe I want to try and play in college, but um, what are the some things that you would give advice to kids about for recruiting? Really just be honest with yourself. Be honest with yourself, be honest with your game, be realistic in regards to, okay, you know, where you're at, right? What, what, what do you do on a daily basis that, yeah. you know, you feel like 
you should be there, right? Um, I think that, um, you know, the kids now need to just take a lot of things into consideration. Like, okay, like, you know, <laughs> like, um, okay, well, is this going to benefit me? If I go here, yeah. you know, am, am I going to get the playing time? Like, I, I always tell kids, look into, like, Okay, who the what what type of system do they run? Yeah. Right? Is it gonna benefit me? Is it gonna fit the way I play? Right? right? Um, or do I go this route where it's not my first option, but you know it gives me a better opportunity to, you know, it's like a stepping stool to you know somewhere else you might want to go. Yeah. Um, just kind of like taking into consideration like everything. Yeah. Jordan, what do you got recruiting wise? Um, I mean, it was a, it was a, a big process back then. I remember filming so many games on, on, uh, on video cameras yeah. and, and converting them to DVDs and hiring people to send them out to different coaches and stuff. It was before huddle. Oh my God. Yeah. It was, <laughs> it was crazy time, but, uh, I mean, it was, it was stressful. I, um, you know, I think, go, uh, when you think about playing in college, um, you know, I think a lot of players really get stuck on this whole idea that it has to be Division One. It yeah, has to be yeah. this this image that they get from whatever fantasy it is. Um, I think there's a lot of different situations that would be great for for different players. Um, you know, if your goal is to be a college player and beyond that, your yeah. goal is to be professional. Division One isn't the only way to do that. Um, right. It's not. Uh, there's many, many very successful totally. players that come from. Uh, everything else other than Division One sure. that are playing long careers and successful careers overseas, or uh, even in the G League or up into the NBA. Yeah. Um, but I think the most important thing is really finding a school that fits um, for you, uh, whether it be academically, um, the team itself, or the location. Um, kind of what you want to make out of your college experience. I'd say for a lot of people that are looking to go play after high school. Go out to these college campuses, go see games, go visit places and get out of, you know, the bubble. Yeah. And don't just think of it as this idea. Go see what it's like to be a college student because a lot of high schoolers don't really understand what it means to go to college, the commitment it takes to be a college athlete and kind of what that lifestyle is. Right. So I think better understanding all of that kind of helps you, you know, find what's right for you. The right, the right situation. Because I have friends that played all levels and have had sexual successful careers overseas with me on my teams and have made it further than I have or other players that I know that have, were Division One players. Um, I think all of it fits a lot of you know fit is very important and that'll also can determine how much fun you have playing in college as well. Right. Yeah. Right. Just to piggyback on that, I think it also you know now you know how social media like a lot of these kids are kind of they see oh this guy has gotten this let these letters and these offers and you know the, the highlights and the clips and whatnot and yeah it's like man it's like if they don't go or get these letters or they don't get these looks or these opportunities they think that you know the, the window it's it's like i said like every player is different you know you got to just kind of be realistic with yourself so you know that doesn't mean if you go to a JC or you go to a Division Two or Division Three that you don't have a chance of you know going beyond you know playing yeah. you know, college you know so. I mean, style, Kenny, you made a good point about style and and system. I mean, mm -hmm. yeah. 
Um, and you see that a lot, right? You see players who are really good high school players, and they go to a school, and that the, the coach or that just the system at that school is not Shackles. a good fit for them. Yeah. Right. So yeah, if you're a if you're a run and gun person, you go to a team that's very slow it down. It's just it's not going to fit mm-hmm. you, right? And you're not going to flourish there, right? So right, like Terry Linda, I couldn't go to Branson because I like to push the ball. They like to go to the game, right? So that, that's that's why Jonas, Jonas didn't let me shoot. Man. Uh, all right, so let's talk about uh, Kenny. You go um, you go the JC route. We've talked to a lot of people who have done that, and it's been really good. Dave Deneen did it. Tom Poser did it. I mean, we. Countless people. Yeah. So how was that? How was that for you? And did you like when you talked about after high school is when you saw some leaps in your skills and fitness and everything? Yeah. Was it JC that that helped you there? It was definitely. It definitely helped me the JC route, and I'm glad it did. And I'm a, I'm a huge believer in everything happens the way it does for a reason. Yeah. Right. And of course, I'm sure you'll dive into it later in regards to like kind of everything that led to it. But for me, you know, academics were like my strong point. You know, and I tell everybody all the time, like, you know, I was that kid that if I asked you to use the bathroom, you're not going to see me for like 15, 20 minutes. I'm not walking around. (laughs) But like, it was definitely, it benefited me because now I was able to kind of, you know, understand like, okay, like there are other players that are bigger than me, right? Right. Um, Coming from different areas, right? That are good, you know? And so... I needed to get in the weight room. I needed to get a little bigger. I wasn't, I'm not the tallest, right? And so I needed to kind of like work on things that I can control, right? How and tall are you, Kenny? 5'9", five, 5'10". Five, Jordan, is he really 5'9"? Is, is he like 5'6"? Five, 5'9". Five, five, nine. Nine. a great day. Um, <laughs> With the hair. With the hair, he's 5'10". I, I believe him, I believe him. Okay, all right, we'll go 5'9". Go and, ahead. And, and so, but it, it helped me like academically as well. Like, you know, and yeah. I, I was able to kind of like focus in on like you know, my, my schooling, my grades. And Great. if I wanted to get a scholarship and, you know, get out the JC system, I needed to lock in with the schoolwork. You know, I needed to dominate at the JC level as well. And so that required me getting in the weight room, getting bigger, you know. And, and how were you as a JC player? Like, were you were you really good? Yeah, I was solid. I think, because um, I, I, went, I, I went from Skyline to Sac City. Yeah. And I just, like... Each year, I kind of improved and was getting better and better, like making that leap, right? So once I saw the improvement on my body in regards to being in the weight room, yeah. right? And then, because a lot of people, they don't like to lift because they're afraid it's going to mess up their shot, right? Right. And I did think like that for, for a little while, but honestly, it's just consistency, right? Like I tell these kids, it's the consistent work that you put in. Yeah. So I was consistent with the weights and I was consistent getting shots up constantly, Right, so and, your body adjusted, and it adjusted, and before you know it, and I, you start seeing results, and good things started coming from it. Uh, you guys, Duffy has a comment. Oh yeah, well I have a question. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna pipe in. No, it, it is interesting. At what age would you recommend that transition occur? And then, did you notice that your shot form changed as you began to lift? As you know, as you were able to get maybe more loft, you know, a higher release point, and how yeah, how do you make that transition? Because you might. As you say, scuffle for a while, mm-hmm. then ultimately you're going to be, you know, you're going to have yeah. a stronger, deeper release. For me, I just started seeing like the results, like you know, uh, getting it up higher, shooting from a little further back, right, um, and being able to, you know, come off and get it off quicker, right, and still have that arc to it, yeah. right, and do that from maybe a further distance out. Um, so I mean. Yeah, and, and it all comes from just being in the weight room and lifting, right? You got to be able to adjust to, and you start to see your body doing things you didn't, 
you couldn't you didn't think before your game starts to change that you didn't think was there but it's because of like what you've been doing what you've been working on right on top of like your agility work the footwork right when you do ladder work for a year straight right your footwork is becoming real crazy right you know, so it's just your body adjusting, and before you know it, you're doing up and unders, you know, some time poser stuff, yeah. right? And it's like, why? It's because, well, you've been doing a lot of footwork. You've been working on it. Your body's adjusting to it, and now it's showing in the games, right? So, But, I mean, I think, I, you know, I, I watch you on social media. I mean, you're, you're in the weight room all the time. Right, like I mean, you're you're working out. I want to look like Jordan. It's consistent. You want to look like me. Come on, uh, it's it's consistency too, right? So yeah. like that's one thing that I find with kids is they'll go to a skill session with Kenny, and it's great, and you teach them some stuff, and they do it for forty five minutes, and they work hard or an hour, mm-hmm. and then they don't touch a ball or until the or, next one. Until the next one, you can't yeah. do it once a week for. 45 minutes. You got to do it every day. You take what you do from the training sessions and you apply it to your, you know, at home or right. by yourself. Right. You know? And we'll, we'll get into more skills training. But so, um, and I want to close the loop on your college. So you, how did you end up at Westminster? How, how did D2 find you? Um, so when I was at Sac City, um, you know, I had a great year at Sac City, my sophomore year. Um, and, you know, I was getting some D2 looks from different colleges, um, some NAI looks, yep. you know, of course. You know, when I look at it, NAI Division One, NCAA D two, same thing. You know, but at that time, I was like, I don't want to play NCAA, right? Yeah. But whatever. At, at the end of the day, you're getting college paid for. You're getting an opportunity to get out there and 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 play out of four years. It's just great, you know. Awesome. Um, but yeah, the colleges started rolling in. I looked in a few different ones, and I thought Westminster. I've never been to Utah. I've never seen snow before, so. And when I went on my visit, you know, it's not a big school, right? It's, it's yeah. pretty hard to get into. And um, the coach, the teammates, the and the whole just environment, Utah in general, was beautiful. Like, it was, I just loved it. It's a good was, decision for you? It was a great decision for me. Awesome. Jordan, Cal Poly, San Luis Obispo, how did you, how'd you end up there? Wow. Um, so, I mean, coming out of high school, I was getting recruited by some schools, um, but I, I only had a couple schools that were talking about offering a, a scholarship, and they weren't places that I really were interested in going. Okay. Um, so, like, my, my family's not from California. We moved here when I was four from New Jersey. My parents are from the East Coast and Midwest area. Um, so, growing up here, they didn't really know about a lot of the colleges, you yeah. know, that are in the area. Like, you know, there's so many schools here in California and so as part of the recruitment process and starting to look at schools, you know, I had a, contacted a lot of schools and had some coming in, talking in, with interest, like UOP was very interested in mm. me, um, but they were offering like invited walk-on situations. Okay. So UOP, uh, University of Pacific out of Stockton, um, Cal Poly was one of them that offered a invited walk-on situation. And I talked to, I think, Riverside and Long Beach State for a period, um, and so those were all kind of on my radar. So yeah. one summer I did a little college tour where me and my family went down the coast and stopped at each of them and talked to the teams. I think Pepperdine was one of them at the time as well. Um, and I had some connections at Cal Poly. Um, uh, one was through Farbstein's father. And then the oh. other was through uh, my, I was playing for the NorCal, Nike NorCal elite team out of, over in East Oakland. Um, and there was a few, there was a, a couple players, Trey, Trey Clark had played, uh, was playing at Cal Poly. So had that connection. And also Chaz Thomas, another Bay area guy from mm-hmm. Sarah, 
um, high school uh, was there at the time. So I went down, I played, I got in contact with the coach, came down, played in the open gym, uh, guarded Ramsey's Barton, who was the top NFL or football player there. He was a six, seven receiver who ended up winning a Super Bowl with the, yeah. the Giants, um, <laughs> which was crazy. Uh, but got a chance to meet everyone. And it was funny because actually when I went down there, the day I was down there, a couple days I was down there, it was foggy. Like it was the worst weather you're ever going to yeah. get at Cal Poly. Uh, usually it's like 75 degrees and sunny every day. Um, and so I got a, I enjoyed the team and the coaches and stuff and finished the whole trip down and back up. And I had a chance to kind of think about, you know, what it was I was looking for in a college and, and the basketball experience. And I felt like that was the best fit for me. You know, I... I talked to UOP for a long time and it just, the basketball there was good. Um, you know, we ended up beating them most of the times when we played them in college, but, uh, <laughs> but I just couldn't see myself living in Stockton at a small 3000 student Protestant school. So this is the second time Duff where someone has spoken ill of Stockton. I hope that we have listeners in Stockton. That, and they, hey, I've got some great friends from, from Stockton. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. But our friend KK was like, who ended up playing at Cal State San Marcos. She's yeah. like, yeah, UOP, but Stockton. Like, wait, yeah. what with KK? Who Come was on. the big guy from UOP that was drafted? Ola Candy. Yeah, Ola Candy. Michael Ola Candy. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean... <laughs> the Candy Man. Yeah. So I think it was just, I looked at what was my best fit. Um, yeah. I had a really good relationship with some of the players and some of the coaches going in there, and it just seemed like the right fit for me. Um, and I... Knew going in after I had the experience playing against the, the team, my uh, my future teammates that where I was physically and athletically and skill wise yeah. I could you know I was a, I was strong once I started lifting I got very strong and athletic so I didn't feel like it was a hard situation for me to transition to physically and athletically yeah um, skill wise was probably the hardest transition um, but I was always a very cerebral player and a physical player so that was not a hard part for me is understanding the concepts and the physicality of the game it was all the other stuff that i had to work on which was a clear was very clear cut for me yeah um a lot of times it can be very hard for um players from high school to transition to the division one level yeah. the physicality hits you first and if you're not ready for that uh it can be a very hard transition so what they'll, you, be, they'll beat up on you real quick so what position were you in college in college, I played, uh, again, I was like a small forward, but I put, spent time at the four. I spent some time at the five. I spent some time at the three and the two. Um, and you're 6'5". Yeah, about 6'5", yeah, with the shoes on. Uh, it's my basketball height. <laughs> like Kenny's 5'10", but... you're 6'5". <laughs> no, was, you know, going into college, I think it was, what, uh, you know, 6'4", 205, and then yeah. by sophomore year, is what, same height, 215, and then by the end of my career, it was about 230. Okay. So it's yeah. pretty, you know, 225 like, about playing weight-ish. You know, it's interesting. Like, so you, 10-year career playing in Israel, and we're going to get to that. Mm -hmm. But in, in college, like, you look at your stats. I mean, you didn't, you didn't, you scored like three, four a game. Yeah. You yeah. know, but you, it's, I, you did everything right on the floor. Mm -hmm. But I have, as we mentioned, Dave Deneen, our, our friend, he's like, Jordan Lewis should have played more. Yeah. <laughs> should have got more playing. <laughs> um, so how did you deal with that? How did you accept your role? Um, I mean, it was, it was tough sometimes. Uh, you know, I always was a team first player. Yeah. Um, you know, I was there to do what, you know, play defense and make the right play. And Great. I was never a selfish player even in high school. You know, I, I think I only averaged at most 15 points a game. Yeah. Um, but you know, I still had three or four assists at the time when I wasn't a point guard. 
Um, and so, like, uh, you know, that's what I wanted to be is, is someone that does all the right things on the court. And I knew as a walk-on, that was kind of how I had to find my way onto yeah. the court. Um, the first two years, I didn't get a lot of playing time. We didn't have very good seasons, and we had a coaching change. Uh, Coach Calero came in, and mm. that season, actually, I started, I think, 90% of the games that season. And I was a leading scorer for, I think, about at least half of the season. Awesome. Um, you know, we were playing – we – we're mixing in new players and old players from the, the, the old team. So, um, and it was actually, as far as how far we got into the playoffs, that was one of our most successful seasons. We beat Long Beach State. We beat uh, UC Santa Barbara, um, two teams that have multiple NBA players on it. Yeah. High-level overseas guys and EuroLeague champions. Um, but um, Was Gabe Vincent on that team? No, no, no. He's, he's younger. Yeah, he's younger. No, it was James Nunley and uh, Orlando Johnson and... Oh. Uh, Alan Williams and you guys are old, Kenny. Yeah. <laughs> but um, but yeah, no. So I mean, that year I had a chip on my shoulder. I had to prove yeah. myself as a walk-on to earn my place on a, with the new coach coming in. You know, and actually, all the walk-ons, uh, maybe except for one, maintained a spot on that team. And our coach gave us really the reins to build the new culture, which was really focused on a close-knit family with the team and, and changing um, the whole Cal Poly basketball culture into a winning culture. Yeah. And so going forward for the next five or six years, the guys that came in in the time that we were there were really the most successful, some of the most successful seasons that Cal Poly's had. That's great. Uh, in their history. And you guys set the tone. And we set the tone. Beautiful. Um, Love it. Yeah, it was us, the walk-ons who were there from the change and all summer trying to trying to build it. Yeah. But um, Very cool. Yeah. Awesome. So let's... Uh, Let's get to pro ball. Kenny, talk about being a professional basketball player in Mexico. It was Mexico first, right? Mexico first. Um, so what was that like, pulling a paycheck, playing basketball, oh, living man. overseas? It, see, it, was, it felt unreal, honestly, just because of my whole process, the journey, and everything I've gone through. Right, I, I've always had it in my head that I wanted to play pro ball. Yeah. But when you're young, you know, like kids, I mean, everybody want to go to the league, the NBA, right? And as you get older and you, you know, you start to, like I said, be honest with yourself, be realistic. And, you know, I'm like, okay, <laughs> the NBA is not happening. But, you know, I definitely feel like I, my game's where it's at. I feel like I, I could have an opportunity to go play somewhere else, you know, and, um, I got my opportunity after I graduated from Westminster. You know, I have, you know, friends, teammates that have gone and played overseas mm-hmm. um, and connected me with, with an agent and um, sent them my film and sent them all my information. And he, he called me one day. He's like, hey, I, you know, I got an opportunity for you down in Mexico in the, in the Chihuahua League, which is a pretty good league. Um, you know, I had to fly in El Paso and take a bus down to Chihuahua. Yeah. Um, now I'm like, okay, here start this. This is where the this journey starts. This new chapter starts. So, and I was ready for it, right? Like, you're the only American on the team. No, we had two other Americans. Okay. Um, but I was prepared. Like, I prepared myself for this. You know, my whole senior year at Westminster. Um, and so I was ready. I was my confidence level was high. I was like, this is what I've been waiting for. Went down there and played preseason, some preseason games um, before I signed. And um, they loved my game. They, I signed. They brought me in. And I kind of was just like, dang, like, I'm really about to get like a check for playing. Yeah. Right? Like, you know, and it's not like Steph Curry, LeBron James 
type checks, but hey, you know, to be able to like, <laughs> to be able to like, they're you know, you in, are they paying you in pesos or dollars? Uh, in pesos, but you know, you can you convert it. convert it and all that fun stuff. Um, but now I'm learning the whole business part of it all that comes with it. And you know, Jordan, I've always you know talked to Jordan as well as like somebody that's there who's already playing at the yeah. time and you know at, you know for advice because he's always been like a big brother to me and so in regards to like how the business goes and I think it was maybe after two games in they called me after practice and was like hey well my agent told me he's like hey you know you're gonna they're gonna talk the owners are gonna talk to you after practice but it looks like you know they're gonna let you go but another team's picking you back up for about the same that you're making right yeah and uh it was kind of a kind of stung a little bit because I got close with, you know, the other two Americans, the, you know, the the, the, the community, the fans. The business. It's a business, though, now I'm learning, yeah. right? And, you know, I was, that night, um, I was on a bus towards, uh, kind of close to El Paso, uh, Juarez, and I was playing with the Indios, and I had practice the next day with a game the following day, right? And wow. It was just like, okay, this is what it is, right? And so that was kind of like my first encounter and experience but uh it was great though you know and it was definitely eye-opening as far as like culture wise and just how good these players are though out there you know? so what advice would you give to a player who who wants to they're a good player a good college player maybe they're a d2 player they're listening to this right. and they're like all right the league's probably not going to happen but i want to i want to play pro ball somewhere Right. What advice would you? There's would you so give? many opportunities. There's so many clubs. There's so many teams out there in the world yeah. that there's something. There's so, there's something out there for for everyone, right? You just have to um, you just have to be ready. You just have to you know put in the work, right? Yourself, right? And then in regards to you know playing, you just got to market yourself, right? Is that, like, so is an agent important in that front? Or? Yes, yes, I would say so. It definitely helps. Right. Um, you know, I, I myself, I was, you know, emailing club owners and teams before I was able to like link with an agent, yeah. you know, sending them my info, sending them my film. Um, I, you coming from a D2 or a lower, if you're not coming from a, a division one and you're real, it's a little harder. Right. But, and I tell people, I tell people like, I tell people that want to go play overseas, like, yo, like you got to market yourself. You got to get yourself out there. Right. Like if you have to go and fly yourself out to Spain and, yeah. you know, stay for a little while, which one of our good friends, Christian Manoli, did, you yeah. know, and he got an opportunity. Right. And, Another Terralinda guy. Right. Right. Yeah. And, you know, right there at their doorstep, like I'm here, I'm ready, you know, and it's like, OK, we'll take a look at him. Right. And, and there you go. You know, but most owners and managers, they're not going to just fly you out and you're at this you know school nobody's kind of really heard of. Right. You kind of got to market yourself and get yourself out there. You know, got to be a voice. So. Yeah, awesome. Jordan, talk about playing in Israel. Uh, you, you put 10 years in, mm -hmm. right? I mean, yep. that's, that's amazing. And yep. Israel's a beautiful part of the world, obviously uh, challenging part of the world geopolitically mm -hmm. right now in particular. Um, but talk about playing pro ball for you. Yeah, um, you know, it's been really a privilege and an amazing opportunity for me to... I never thought growing up that I would live over across the world you know yeah. halfway across the world and experience you know other cultures like that it was never a thought growing up but um given that opportunity and i took advantage of it and it was really something that's really was life-changing and eye-opening awesome. and uh, very special to me um you know i i finished 
playing in college and I stuck around. I was a student assistant coach. I had a class I had to finish up. So I did mm-hmm. like five years and a quarter. I registered my first year, played four years, and I had one more quarter okay. to finish up the next fall. Um, so I stuck around. I was helping out with the team. And then that whole year I was just kind of training and I felt really good. You know, I had some time off of my knees and my body felt as good as it's ever felt. Yeah. I was strong, I was athletic and healed up. And uh, I was like, okay, I want to do this. And got in contact with, because uh, like you said, my stats weren't great in college. You know, I was a glue guy. I didn't have yeah. crazy numbers or anything, but I started, I had to make this opportunity happen if I wanted it to happen. And so I started looking up FIBA certified agents. I thought about places that I would want to play. Um, I knew that I could get my citizenship in Israel. Yeah. Um, so um, I took advantage of that. I took a trip out there to see if I liked it enough to, to move out there. And I did. So <clears throat> when I got back from that trip, I started looking at agents, got in contact with a few of them, uh, ended up settling with one and telling them my situation and uh, got my paperwork finished up to, to, for my citizenship moving out there. And from the day it finished, he texted me the next day and said, hey, the team wants you out here on Saturday a week later. So I had to pick up all my stuff, move <laughs> home go. and yep. fly <laughs> out. Um, you know, the first team I landed in, I was hardly getting paid money. Uh, the team was basically bankrupt. Um, it was three of us living in one small apartment. Uh, I landed there with a teammate I had from high school, uh, uh, Justin Baker from Natomas High School. He ended up playing at Utah Valley State. We had played for Team 94 with Phil Handy okay. uh, growing up. Um, and so we ended up on the same team, which was really special. Um, and a great, it was great to have him. He had played one year already. Uh, so he kind of helped so in, school me to the game a little bit. Yeah. So most, most leagues have restrictions on the number of imports they can yeah, have, right? So correct. What, what's, what was the rule in Israel? How so, many non-Israelis? So you have two, two leagues are, that are the main leagues. You have the Winter League, which is the first league, and you have the National League, Leo, League Leo Meets, which is the second league. Uh, the first league, and depending on the team, would have four to five, and Maccabi Tel Aviv playing in EuroLeague would have yeah. maybe eight or something um, that they would activate and deactivate. In the National League, you can only have two foreign players. Oh, wow. um, so I didn't count as a foreign player. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a, a citizen, so I count okay. as a local. Um, so that was an advantage for me to get a foot in the door yeah. playing. Um, but the, the team I went to, uh, we were terrible, weren't getting paid. They stopped paying us after a couple months. Yeah. And so that's kind of the reality of some clubs is that it can be that way. And it was hard, but I you know, persevered through that um, and ended up switching teams around my birthday in February to another team. And we made it to the championship that year, which kind of set me on a path uh, for the rest of my career as the player I am over there and what I've done. So Go Duff. Yeah. Uh, talk about the culture of basketball in Israel. Like, uh-huh. Do you see kids playing it a lot? Is it a popular sport? How would it compare to yeah. here in the States? Um, it is. It's, it's popular. It's not as popular as soccer, um, but uh, I'd say it's the next most popular sport there. You know, you got kids from youth up playing. Um, you know, they really love it there. They highlight it. And uh, it was a very, because coming from college, it's a very different game going to play overseas professionally. Um, I would compare it to more of an up and down, free flowing, like almost like a junior college style of play yeah. uh, where it's not as like strict, you know, especially at the time that I was in college playing division one. Basketball is pretty strict. You know, you're, you're running a lot of the clock. You're, yeah. you're doing long plays and all this stuff, you know. Then you go overseas, it's a 24-second shot clock, um, and the ball's moving a lot more, and you're playing with people that are, you know, pushing, you know, 30, maybe mid-30s to 18-year-old, 
kids, you know, and I came over as a 23 year old I veteran compared to a lot of the younger guys I was playing right. with. Right. Um, so it's a weird dynamic, but it took some time for me to get used to because I was very much used to my system <clears throat> in college, which was um, a very restrictive offensive system yeah. where, you know, we were getting one shot out of the shot clock and 35 second shot clock. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, especially those last two seasons at Cal Poly. Um, so it was an adjustment, but once, uh, you know, I, I, I believed in myself. I, I really bet on myself and what my foundation was as a player and the things that I bring to a game that other people don't. And that's really what has built my career over the years. Yeah. Um, being a versatile yeah. defender, a versatile uh, <laughs> offensive player. And uh, it was, you know, it took time to learn how to play like a different style, but it once once you, you know, I think one of the biggest things people don't realize is that you can develop your game beyond, you know, for me, that was never an idea is uh, thinking about it growing up was you develop in high school, you develop in college, but there's really so much more to develop after post-college. And uh, I think, you know, people that continue to work on their games, you can take yourself to a lot of places with basketball post-college as you get into your late 20s and in your 30s. Could not agree more. Yeah. I, like, I, like, I like what Jordan said, though. Yeah. He said, you know, what, basically like what, doing, doing something that others aren't doing, doing something different. What right? does the That's team need? Huge, right? Exactly. you got to yeah. do what others aren't doing, what, you know, needs to be done, right? So like, Yeah, that's a great point. Duff, did you have something? Just a follow-up question, actually, for both of you playing overseas. Did you have like kids coming to the games and wearing jerseys and signing autographs afterwards? Oh man, I, <laughs> it's I, kind of like being a podcaster. I, oh my god! I, I think I think I think that was like crazy for my for me at my first experience, like signing autographs and whatnot. Like I just it was just a unreal feeling. I'm yeah. like because they look up to you, you know, and people's like people don't understand. Like it's like playing overseas. It's like their NBA for them. You know, yeah, yeah. like playing in Mexico, playing in Puerto Rico, it's like it's like their NBA, you know, and so it's like they they look up to you, they you know, wanna be where you're at, you know what I'm saying? So it was it was great. It was it was fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's yeah. fun. No, I I'd say fandom overseas is completely different than <laughs> yeah. anything you'll see here, yeah. I'm I mean sure. from autographs to the passion and like like they get very <laughs> passionate about ridiculous things. Yeah, you know, and it gets it can get hostile quick. So you uh, said you so you won a title, Jordan? Or, I uh, or you guys so, went so to a title game. I went to um, my first four years in Israel. I went to four championships. I lost all four of those, but it's um, your fault. I know it was all my fault. <laughs> 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 um, but uh, I had some good showings in most of my championships. But we 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 played some really good teams, and yeah. we went to two game fives. Um, which is their five game series. So. But is that like packed house? Fans are super into it. Yes, yeah, that's, that's yeah, fun. Yeah, that's Those awesome. Are, and um, but I did get so it was uh, the COVID season. We got the promotion with uh, Hopol Haifa. Um, we finished in first place when the season ended. So we did get that move the team up. So that was okay. a, a championship there. Cool. Um, which awesome. is it's it's not an easy accomplishment anywhere. And I think no matter how you do it, it's uh, it's yeah. definitely an achievement. Kenny, any titles? Or playoffs, whatever. No titles. A um, couple playoff experiences playing in Mexico. Um, none in Puerto Rico. 
Um, but kind of like Jordan, he had his citizenship. I was able to get mines from okay. Puerto Rico, which was great because it just gets you in the door. Yeah. Right. Um, my mom, my mom, my grandma from out there. So um, I was able to get that, which is great. And nothing in Puerto, Puerto Rico is a really tough league, right? Like, yeah. Usually the imports, um, which you only allowed two, is like NBA kickbacks, right? Players that played in the league, yeah. no, no longer in the league. Um, so just, I'm more of like kind of just a world guy out there, but it's a, it's a great, it's a great league. Mexico, couple playoff experience. It was, it was, um, it was fun. The atmosphere, the environment, the fans, like it's different, you know? Yeah. Um, but, uh, no, no, no titles. That's all right. Uh, it's it's fine. fine. So you, both of you, um, were you scorers in playing in pro ball or it sounds like you both were kind of you know, played your role. But. So for Mexico, I played a, I played as an import, right? And so when you play as an import, like you kind of have a much greener light than others, right? Like okay. you have to come in and produce. If you mm-hmm. don't, they're going to bring in somebody else right. that will. And I learned that my first game when I went with the new team. You know, I I had two points for the first game with two points. The coach went out to eat. Coach said, "Listen." You know, I saw your film and everything. I know you're a good player, yeah. but. I can, we can't have another game like this, you know. Wow. I need you to score. You need to have at least twenty plus points. Otherwise, I w- I need to bring in somebody else that can. Okay. And so that said, that I was like, say less, shoot, <laughs> shoot, you know. And so, um, nice. And then playing in Puerto Rico, like it's more of like you know, just kind of know your role, give yeah. the balls to the to the imports, <laughs> let them go to work. Awesome. <laughs> oh, it's it's cutthroat though for for especially for the import players. You know, performance is huge. You know, if you if you have a bad game and you lose, even in the preseason, you could be cut the next day. I, I've been through multiple teammates within the first <laughs> two weeks of arriving in, the, in September before that's, the season starts. Yeah, that's that's tough, man. Uh, awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that. That's that's very cool perspective on on playing pro ball. So I want to get to I want to get to skills training and I want to get to twenty four eight. So um, again, you two are two of the best um, around. So what's your what's your philosophy in in training? kids like how do you how do you approach that um like i said earlier my approach is i think is the consistency and it's the work you know i think um it's a balance of everything it's a balance of not just doing between the legs and dribbling stuff i think it's conditioning i think it's agility it's the footwork (laughs) um you know it's everything it's a balance of all of that being able to you know, put resistant bands into it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's just a balance of everything across the board. How about, um, we've talked about this, Kenny, how about playing pickup versus skills? What do you think is the right mix they, there? It's needed, right? Jordan's been huge on, like, man, these kids need to play. Like, one-on-one, three-on-three. I mean, that's how we grew up To be playing. fair, I told you that before Jordan did. <laughs> <laughs> It's huge. That, that it's a, that that's it's included. Big. It's a balance, right? Yeah. Being able to play ones, pick up, right? Like, yeah. um, so I, the one on ones, the game reps on top of the skill stuff. So you know you can put that in a play. Right? Yeah, yeah. Jordan, what? How about your thoughts? What's your philosophy? In um, I'm very uh, detail oriented. Yeah, uh, I is. like I like focus on the details and. All the drills are kind of functional and applicable to game situations awesome. for me. So that's that's what I like. That's kind of the way I was raised with Phil. 
um, in the way he did it. So obviously yeah. I've had some great opportunity working out with him and also my uh, another friend of mine, uh, Jordan Lowley down in Orange County. Shayla. And he's a product of Phil as well. Okay. So, um, and I have another friend, um, uh, AJ, um, down in uh, Long Beach who I worked out with too. And a lot of those drills, the way we would do it is, is a lot of, it's very easily applicable to game situations. And that's how I like to do it because okay. I want these kids to understand the situation, to be able to read the situations and apply these moves in game or to practice, whatever it is. And, you know, if we're building towards getting to a college level, you know, these are direct things that will affect that. Yeah. And So, so Jordan, yeah. we're, we're massive basketball nerds here so can uh -huh. you if you have something off the top of your head can you talk about like what, what are one of your favorite drills that you like when you're talking about kind of functional game applicable drills is there one that you like that you can um, share I think a lot of like the ones I, I do that I think are most applicable other than you know I always go through my ball handling stuff and like finishing drills yeah with, with touch around the basket um, I think drills that incorporate um, getting open catching the ball on the wing um, or wherever but yeah let's just say on the wing um, squaring up using our, our pivots to create space and then we add different counters to different situations there so we'll have a catch quick rip baseline yep you know simulate simulate that next time would be um, catch jab step rip other way go middle we'll keep on building and stacking off of that we'll um, catch for a pull, short pull up right and I'm not doing crazy reps I want you know two to three good reps to get through this okay and keep it moving so we can keep on building right and then then we're working on counters off that when we rip we counter off that yeah hit the glass uh, next thing counter into a euro step or uh, a, a rip towards the middle get to the middle jump stop pump fake up and under or yeah. whatever it may so we're, we're simulating game situations reading the defense and practical implementation of these moves um, awesome yeah, Kenny, what do you got? Give me a good drill. I, I think this that's great. And the cool thing about you know the you know the trainers we have is everybody brings something different to the table. Yeah, which is great. You know, like Jordan's very detailed. For me, I'm very a lot conditioning. I'll make a kid run a 17 and then jump and do some of the drills. Right, like I, because they need to be well, of course, conditioned. But it's like in. in you know, in a game, they're constantly up and down, right? So you got to be able to finish when you're tired. You got to be make make shots when you're tired. You got to still be able to make these combo moves and finish at the rim while you're tired, right? Um, but uh, a few drills that I like to do is kind of like, yeah, like game scenarios, right? Mm -hmm. So I might have a kid start at the wing, cut down to the box, and then jump up to the, you know, and then uh, go up to the elbow, catch, pump fake, rip through, attack the basket, right? Boom, pass it right back out to me, shoot out to the wing, cut down to the box, right, right. to the elbow, catch, finish, rip through, and they're constantly going, make 10, you know? Um, another one I like to do is um, I'll have um, four cones, right, in a row, and I'll have combo moves, so make a combo move, maybe yep. a cross, between cross, right, pound, between cross, pound, go finish at the rim, go through, run the outlet, I'll throw it down ahead, Catch, finish, and then they're coming right back down again. So it's full court. Right, exactly. I'm and getting tired just listening to you. <laughs> <laughs> but it's good. Make 10, right? But you're sweating days. Yeah, but then, you know, you start awesome. doing different things into it where it's like, okay, now you're coming into a jump shot, right? Right. Or, you know, they go into a finish, pass it out, and now they go in, catch, rip, pull up, right? And it's just, you know, different scenarios, different, get them moving. You know what I mean? So The modern game 
is so three heavy that you don't see kids shooting mid-range jumpers that much. We're doing poser post work, right? I, I, I love that, but I, it's <laughs> like I in in our San Domenico girls' practices, like I'm I'm having us shoot mid-range jumpers every day, and sometimes I'm thinking like, why are we doing this? They they, they never shoot them, but. I think it's important for kids to have that in their bag. Right? I think it's important for them to work on things that they're not good at. Like, yeah. put a, yes, you can do a Euro step. You don't need to keep working on that. Work on everything that you're uncomfortable with. Right. You know what I mean? Right. It, yeah, that's, that's, that's awesome. Um, Duff, you have some questions here about kind of like mix of conditioning versus skill work. Do you, did you want to ask one of those? Well, yeah, I think Kenny kind of addressed it already a little bit there. But yeah, how, how much, if you're doing, you know, five days of practice or training a week, you know, what percentage of that is going to be sort of straight conditioning? What percentage is going to be skill and what, or, or what percentage is going to be, you know, both of them combined? So is it a third of each? So how would you break that up, you know, in terms of just, you know, I guess it sure, it depends on the player. But, yeah, you know, I was about to say know. that. I mean, I, I think... If I had five days of practice, you know, I'd do, you know, probably 30% of that uh, conditioning, you know, um, maybe around 30, maybe a little less, a little more depending. But yeah. um, if we're talking about like scheduling, especially like going up into a game, I would not do it the day before a game. <laughs> uh, yeah. we've, we've done that before and it's not been good for me or <laughs> yeah. any other players. But uh, yeah, I think it, it does depend on the player and like. I do conditioning when I'm training for, for myself. I do conditioning outside of basketball. So when I'm working on skill stuff, I'm working solely on, you know, the things I want to develop and get better at. And I go run or I go bike or do other types of conditioning. And if I, you know, finish, I, I have certain days where my conditioning is basketball. Um, so I think it is a balance. And sometimes my conditioning is playing for a couple hours in the evening or during the day at some sure. point. Right. And that's my conditioning. Um, so I think you can format it in a lot of different ways, and conditioning is important. Um, I think a lot of it depends on the time of the year and where you're at in the season and all that stuff. But uh, yeah, you know, it, it, conditioning is a huge aspect to it. You know, if you're tired out there and you can't do the things you need to do on the court, you know, you can do all the skills training you want to do. It's not going to help you. Right, because when you get time, when it comes time for the games, just wait. You guys just wait till you hit forty. <laughs> uh, what, what are your times for a seventeen? We make our kids do them all the time. We put we put time up on the clock. I'm just curious, do you guys, what do you 50, have a best time? Mine, yeah, fifty one seconds. I don't. I haven't done a seventeen since freshman year in high school. I did it last uh, year, maybe in college, but you know, <laughs> we were, we were timed. I don't. I made the time. We put them in at ten on the clock, and some of the guys don't quite make it. That's, yeah. yeah, that's good. Um, okay. We're, uh, I could talk to you guys for a long time, but we'll, we'll, we don't want this to drag on too long. So let's talk about 24-8. Kenny, talk about um, how you started that business. I'm curious. We're curious about the, the genesis of the name. You like it? <laughs> and the gear. I want to talk about the gear. The kids yeah. love the gear. The, the gear is, I mean, yeah. we got, we'll take a picture. You guys are looking good in your trainer 24-8 shirts. Yeah. Um, 24-8 definitely started just... It, during COVID, right? Yeah. Everything was shut down. Everything was shut down, and you know, I had a, I left Puerto. We left. I left Puerto Rico early. Came home, um, and had nothing to do really. And I had some parents and kids we know of. It's like, hey, do you mind training my kid virtually? I'm, you know, video. I was like, yeah, yeah sure. Like, why not? You know, like, 
Sure. <laughs> and it was great. I have like m multiple kids, you know, on the video doing ball handling, right? And doing some drills, having to do some push ups, right? And it was great. And before you know it, kind of more kids started doing a little video, right? I was like, all right, cool, this is great. And then it kind of gravitated to going outside a little bit, you know, when things kind of started opening up, right? But doing small groups, yeah. right? And I think uh, the just, you know, like, you know, from us doing skill stuff, skill work, like uh, giving it to them and having them, you know, apply it, right? Like it, it was different, maybe something they're not used to, yeah, right? And so parents and the kids were like oh man like this is this is great like this is the type of work that they're doing like they're tired they're they come home and go straight to sleep right like you know but you know this is what's needed this is what they need and, and yeah. it became like a little bit a little bit of a domino effect you know because then before you know it you know i'm getting messages from hey such and such you know referred me over i have you know a 10 year old or i have a 15 year old like yeah, bring them over Miller Creek outside courts. We're outside. We're working. Yep. Um, and it was great. And then it wasn't until after one session we had a ton of kids. One of the a parent came up to me and said, "Hey, like you know, you got a nice turnout here. Like have you, you should think about you know making this a business. You know, like turning this to a, to a real thing because you know the kids love it. And that's another thing. It's the energy too. Like." Like the energy we bring, it's the vibe, right? Like they can adapt. Like you mentioned earlier, Dave, like yeah. making it fun. Like I don't want to make it fun. I just want them to, yes, I want them to enjoy it, but it's like the energy, like how, you know, totally. we come across. And so he said, maybe you should turn this into a business one of these days. Like, you know, you guys got a knack for what you're doing and the kids love it and they're getting better. And so I kind of like, eh, whatever. I mean, I got my degree in criminal justice and I'm like, everything shut down like I don't know what's happening what's going on or what I want to do but then I was yeah. like I, I was able to sit back and I was able to think for a second like you know well when basketball is all said and done like what do I want to do you know and I think for everybody like COVID kind of like allowed a lot of people to sit back and kind of think about you know their lives and kind of what they want to do and what's next right totally. and so you know for me I'm like well this isn't a bad idea I get to stay around the game I get to help the youth out and give them something that, you know, I didn't really have, right, coming up, like, and so, and it's on a whole nother level, right, and so I'm like, man, but what would I call it, what would, we, what yeah. would be the name, right, like, I'm always big on, like, being different than others, like, I'm always big on, like, doing something, like, other people aren't doing or something unique, right, and so... I'm like, okay, like, I want these kids, I'm always preaching, like, put in extra work, you know, you got to do it on your own, right? And I'm like, 24-7, okay, well, I'm like, 24-8, oh, right? It was like, oh, just an extra hour, extra hour, it's the extra work that needs to be put in, right? Yeah. And then it hit me, I was like, when you think about those two numbers, who do you think about? Dave, Kobe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there you go, exactly. I never and put that together. <laughs> I was thinking of the Beatles eight days a week. Like that. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> now I always feel really And weird. it's just that mentality, right? Like that dog mentality, that the work ethic. It's yeah. just, you know, I'm like, dude, this is perfect. It That's fits. great. So. That's great. That's awesome. Well, you guys, so um, you started with the skills training, and now you've got several teams that compete in club basketball, boys and girls. What are the ages, Kenny? Fourth grade, I mean, honestly, skill stuff, you know, it's from kindergarten, but like yeah. the club teams, it's from fourth grade all, all the way through, you know, high school. That's great. And so you guys, I'm curious for your perspective on AAU club basketball overall, right? I mean, obviously it's huge right now. 
Um, we've talked a lot about this with other folks on this podcast about it's, it's sort of there's, there's the good and the bad, right? The style of play, not always great. The, the scores, not always competitive. <laughs> I've, I've coached many games where I've lost by 60 or 70. Uh, it's probably all coaching. But what do, you, what do you guys think? Kind of What's the good and the bad? Jordan, why don't we go to you like on AAU club hoops? Um, I mean, you know, I definitely, by the end of my AAU career, I was a little burnt out on it. Yeah. Um, it was a lot, you know, a lot of travel, a lot of, a lot of politics, um, a lot of the, the undesirable things with basketball. But on the other side, it's such a great opportunity to get out of the community, yeah. go play against different competition, experience new places and new, you know, styles of basketball and all that. And, you know, and, and play, you know, it's, uh, it's good competition. And I think a lot of it depends on the team dynamic and, and, you know, you can get as much out of it as you put into it. Um, I think situation is important, and I know some players play for multiple different teams. And honestly, each of those teams can be a different value to you. Yeah. You know, playing a different role on a different team can be very valuable. You know, if you're a role player and position player on one team, and the other team maybe you get to be more of a, a creator and ball handler and, and playmaker, you know, um, for players that do do that. Um, you know, I think it's a valuable tool, but I think, you know, there can be burnout and it is important to find a balance as well. So yeah. you got to find out what works for you. Um, you know, I started in fifth grade and I think that's kind of since then it's been about that for most, you know, fourth or fifth grade is when a lot of players start doing these year long cycles of basketball, um, whether it's training or playing. So I think it's it's important to find a balance, you know, and that's and, great, and, yeah. and find what works for you. But it's very it can be very valuable and useful. Yep, yep. Um, Kenny, what's your advice to players, parents, coaches when you deal with these lopsided losses in AAU basketball or wins or wins? Yeah. Uh, I think you know it's, it's eye opening. I tell them you know like. It's going to happen. It's all part of the game. Right? Yeah. Like you're going to lose. You know, you're going to win some games. You're going to get blown out. You're going to blow some teams out. Right? Um, but obviously, it's not fun to some of these kids, right? If they're constantly getting blown out, it's yeah. discouraging, right? So, you know, it needs to be a balance, right? And so, for me, like, I'm, I want some of these kids to be in situations where it's like, they're going to get better. It's going to benefit them, right? But it's not going to discourage them right. or make them want to walk away from the game, right? Um, so it's making sure they're in good situations, right? Solid tournaments. They're, they're have an opportunity to compete and <laughs> not get blown out, right? Or not just do the blowing out, right? Like, right. you know, so yeah. it's just kind of finding a balance to make sure yep. it fits the kids and the families. Got you. So uh, before we wrap up, a couple things I wanted to hit on. Kenny, um, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about, you know, what happened in, in high school for you because yeah. um, obviously a tragedy, uh, but also, you know, you talk about things happen for a reason, right? Yeah. And you were able to, to overcome that um, and, you know, build a great career and business and be a great father yourself. So why don't you just talk about it? Uh, yeah, I'll make it short and sweet. Um, when I was 17, um, my mom was shot. Um, wrong place, wrong time. She was sitting in her car. There was a fight that broke out, and um, the, somebody pulled out a gun and started shooting. Um, and just she happened to be like in the middle of the crossfire, basically in the car. A bullet went through the car and hit her. I was in Reno at a AAU tournament, 
it was the Memorial so tournament up in Reno. Yeah. Um, it's around May tw- May twenty fourth, two thousand nine. Um, and how the news got to me was somebody had said, "Hey, is your mom okay?" I was like, "Yeah, yeah." <laughs> yeah. But I said nothing different. Okay, well, somebody said she got shot, and I was like, "Okay." So I made a few phone calls, and um, apparently, yeah, like rushing her to the hospital, like you know. So I was kind of like stuck. Like, okay, wait, what's happening, right? Yeah. And so I finally got on the phone with the um with the with the police and uh they said, Yeah, like, you know, like she passed on the way to her hospital, she didn't make it, you know, and I think at that point like my whole body just kinda went numb, right? Like we're talking like yeah. what, seventeen years, you know, you know, with, you know, with this lady and you know, you hear of like, okay, friends of people or whatever, but you never really kind of expect it to be, like, somebody so close to you. You know what I'm saying? The only person that, you know, because she, you know, single mom, like, raised me by herself. My dad was in and out of prison. Um, And so, you know, it hit me. And I think, you know, make a long story short, you know, I kind of went down, like, a dark path, right? Got in a lot of trouble. um, And it just took some... (laughs) some lessons, you know, and, you know, going to jail and, you know, some wake up calls to like, really like figure out like, okay, am I going to throw everything away? She sacrificed because she made a lot of sacrifices, you know, as far as like making sure I got to soccer, basketball, you know, she was very invested in my sports and the community. And so, um, I was like, okay, I want to take this and do something, make something out of everything that she did. Right. And so of course, nobody's perfect. You know, I, wasn't perfect, you know, um, but uh, it was it was tough. And so I, like I said, the whole route, I had to go through the JC system. I had yeah. to really grind, right? Nothing comes easy, you know, and that's why I tell these kids, like, you know, to appreciate, right? Like, you know, your, your folks, your parents, you know, because yeah. everything happens for a reason. You know, you, do, you, you never know, right? And so, you know, you don't, you want to, you don't want to take people, for, you know, take things for granted, like, you know, really work for it, right? Um, and uh, I think it transitioned me, you know, made me appreciate a lot more things that I worked for. I, it definitely made me, being a father, right, great, yeah. because uh, I didn't have that father figure around. And I know how, I know that feeling, right? And so I, you know, made a promise I could never just not be there for, you know, my daughter, um, Amora. Um, and plus she reminds me so much of my mom Mm. looks like her. Um, and she's like, just like me, right? She's picky, picky eater, right? She, (laughs) Jordan knows. (laughs) Um, and it's just, she's very independent, right? There could be things going on and she'll be off doing her own thing. Um, she's just, you know, she's great. And so I feel like that's almost like a gift. From her, you know what I mean. One of the reasons I wanted to have you on was I want to see can I be her agent because I'm rich. She's going to be in the WNBA. I know, so I don't know what the process is to sign up for that. But uh, oh man, she's like what? How old is she? Eight? Seven? Seven? I mean, she's and she's playing against like fourth and fifth graders. Yeah, yeah. and getting buckets. So she's going to be a really good player. Well, um, Kenny, thank you for for sharing that. Um, yeah. Duff. I just wanted to ask Jordan, you know, you guys grew up together, you've been friends for a long time, just mm-hmm. maybe sort of your, you know, what you saw during that time period. I'm sure the community came around to, to try and help Kenny. It's uh, obviously a tragedy you can never recover from fully. Yeah. But yeah, what was, what did you see there? Um, well, first, I just want to say how proud of him I am um, and what he's done um, with 24-8 building this yeah. community and this business. Um, 
and what he's put into it, I think it's really special and something that is a testament to him as a person being able to give back to our community and uh, really inspire these kids um, with basketball and in life and and, and everything. Um, you know, yeah, we've known each other for a long time. Uh, I was telling you guys a story earlier a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so I had a friend that lived across the street from Terra Linda and Kenny and his buddy used to live across the street from him. And so me and my friend would be out front hooping in the driveway and, and Kenny and his buddy would come across the street. And this is back when Kenny was about two feet tall. And, uh, <laughs> <Still> is. <laughs> <laughs> and he'd, he'd try to hoop with us and, you know, you just put the ball in the air and he'd jump for it. <laughs> but no, it, it was fun. So I've known him a long time. And then finally, as we got a little bit older and then, uh, realized that he would be in high school with us. And, yeah. you know, as soon as he stepped on high school campus, you know, he was like a little brother to me. And, you know, we'd... we'd take him out to lunch. Take him out to lunch nice. in the car. Um, the Northgate? And, yeah. yeah, good old Northgate <laughs> food court, you know. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, um, yeah, you know, it, it, and I was away in college when that happened. And, yeah. um, you know, obviously... With my, you know, college basketball player, I have I'm busy all the time. But it was something that really, you know, um, you know, hit deep. Um, you know, I I tried to reach out. You know, I sure radar hit from afar. Yeah, you know, and it, it's hard. You know, you don't really at that age, at any age, it's really hard to deal with death. And you know, and it's uh, I think coming together and having some community is really the best way to do it. And yeah. You know, I know my family reached out to him, and I think you know we were able to to kind of help you know along the way. Yeah, that's um, great. But well, you know, it was uh, you know I think considering everything that happened, uh, I think like I said, I'm really proud of him and how he's you know carried himself going forward, and um, you know what he's built since well then. Well said. Yeah. Likewise. We love you, Kenny, even though you're short. <laughs> uh, okay, let's go to let's go to crunch time. This is it. Keep it short, Dave. We're gonna keep this short. So I, I I'm never good at this. What's crunch time? All right, crunch time. Quick, quick questions. Ready? Okay. Yes, yeah. let's get them. Jordan, toughest player you've ever played against? Ooh, uh, probably one of my teammates. Uh, I played with him for a couple seasons. Uh, Jason Seegers. He beat me in a, a game five of the championship in Israel my third year. Where did he play? Like, did, did he play in college somewhere? He played in college at Albany. Okay. Um, one of the greatest scorers I've ever played against. Mid-range assassin. Uh, his son actually just got drafted by the Utah Jazz. Uh, number 16, Keontae George. Oh, cool. Uh, so, excited to see where that goes. But, yeah, he, uh, All right. he's, he's a killer. Nice. Kenny, what you got? I got, uh, there's a couple. Kevin Ware um, played against him in Mexico. Was he Louisville? Louisville. He yes. had a really bad leg injury. Right? Yes. And oh, I looked down at the other boy. side, warming up. I said, I'm looking at his leg. I talked to him. He's yeah. like, oh, it feels like, you know, nothing's ever happened. And he's quick, hard to guard. Okay. Uh, explosive. Yeah. <laughs> right? So. Uh, That's a good one. Kevin Ware for sure. Okay. Um, should I take out the MCAL one, Duff? Sure. Yeah. Okay. We're, we're crunching. We're crunching. Okay. <laughs> Favorite gym in Marin, Kenny? Favorite gym in Marin? Uh, Marin Catholic. Shoot or shoot. Really? Baby. Yes. Uh, We've heard that about Marin Catholic. <laughs> so Owen, shoot shoot. Owen from uh, Archie Williams, Owen Bugas said his favorite gym because of those soft rims. Yeah. I was like, I never shoot well in that gym. You I don't, don't like shoot them. well in I, That's true. I don't shoot well anywhere. Yeah. Taller than you are, though, Kenny. All right, Jordan. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to think. It's been a long time since I played 
in Marin. So I got to say Terra Linda. Uh, we had a very classic style gym, you know, and it was nice and dim in there. And What do you think of the new one? Oh, it's beautiful. <laughs> it, I would choose a new gym if I could. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I don't think that counts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, that old gym's nice and all, but the new ones. I like the light in there for shooting. Yeah, Some yeah. of my best shooting games. Yeah. 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 All right. How about favorite gym in the world? You both are worldly pro basketball players. Is there an arena you've been in that you're like, man, this is awesome? Uh, Roberto Clemente, the Coliseum in Puerto Rico. It's where um, they host the Santuse team and the national team plays. Yeah. It's, it's just, I don't know, it's a different type of feeling when you step in there. Nice. Yeah. Um, I played in some pretty big gyms. Uh, last year I played in, uh, we did an NBA tour. We played against, we played up at uh, the Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, we played oh, against cool. Portland at the Moda Center. We played in against the Thunder down in Oklahoma City. But I say the craziest atmosphere, the best, uh, yeah. was the Aztecs, uh, San Diego State. San Diego State. Oh my God, yeah. Viejas! It's uh, they're just piled on top of you, and it's so loud. Everything yeah. was rocking, and we played against uh, them in college when they were ranked. I think the Steve Fisher's team. Uh, yeah, yeah. Kawhi was there, and yeah. I think oh, we lost by like five. It came down to it, and. It was it was crazy. It was rocking. Damn. Yeah. That's that's great. Yeah, my I mentioned this a lot, but our our San Domenico girls went to the state last year, and we played in Golden One, the, the where the Kings play, mm-hmm. and we just couldn't shoot in that gym. It's just different. Yeah. When you're used to shooting in a high school gym, and you shoot in those arenas, that mm-hmm. that must have been an adjustment yeah. for you guys, right? Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. We just played up there. I played up there in the we did the FIBA three on three tournament. Uh, oh yeah. Next three, uh, maybe four weekends back a month ago. Yeah. Uh, played in the Golden One Center. It's a beautiful new uh, new arena. Beautiful. We shot sixteen for sixty five. <laughs> Who's counting? Um, okay. Dream team. You're playing pickup. You're going to the TL, the new gym. It's you and four others. Kenny. Who you playing? Uh, I mean, are we talking like you know, whatever buddies. Answer it however you want. Yeah, how about people you know? Oh, people we know. Yeah, come on, because I could say. Somebody, I know. Okay, I would honestly say my TL guys. I'm saying Jordan Lewis, Heard him. great dude. Okay. <laughs> Christian Manoli, yep. as long Shoot. as he passes. Yeah. Myself, Mike Best. He improved. 6'10", 6'11". He played at Irvine. Okay. Um, and then my last one, I'd say Brian Crow. Okay. The one who went to Oregon. Yeah, yeah. Brian Crow. Jordan Lewis, Brian Crow, Chris Minoli, Kenny Woodard, and Mike Gress. Yeah, so I'm assuming we're playing a pickup game He's here. not going to say my name, and it's fine, Jordan. No, no. I'm assuming we're playing a pickup game here in Marin. <laughs> yes. So I'm going to choose all... All my Marin people. Home cooking. Home cooking. So I'm gonna choose Jesse Bean. Oh yeah. Who we play against him in the adult league. Yeah. He, he, yeah. <laughs> so, he, so you know. <laughs> play with him. Yeah, he's, he's a really good player. player. Yeah, yeah. No, he, he's awesome. He was my point guard in high school. So I, I choose him. Let me see. Well, obviously have me. Yeah. Uh, hmm. No. Just Kenny. Kenny. He's, he's our wild card. And let's see. I'm gonna go with my more all Terra Linda guys. I'll go with Christian because yep. he's he's been hooping and uh, yep. he's been a new teammate of mine when we're playing this three on three stuff. Nice. Um, let's go with Brandon Miller for the rebounds, so I don't have to do all that work. And that is five. five. Yeah. Five. Yeah. All right. Good stuff. Last question: Who wins one on one between you two? 
Now listen, me, <laughs> listen, okay. no, me, Jordan, and Stevie Johnson did some one-on-one rounds. Yeah. Um, I got me a couple wins. When was this? Uh, the Bay Club. Is that when Stevie Johnson? Like, like three years ago? Yeah. Four years ago? Was Jordan there? <laughs> Is he zooming in? Um, if he gets the ball, I feel like, you know, if he just goes straight to the post. There's I mean, a little bit of a size. There's a little bit of a size difference. Yeah, yeah. You like I said, you just got to hold the ball above you your head. It's, it's over, jumps up I'm going to bet on myself. <laughs> Don't bet on himself. All right. That's, that's a fair Dub, your, do you want to ask your shoe question? Uh, What's what my shoe cut? Favorite color on a shoe? Favorite color. If you can pick one other than white, if you're putting white and one other color, what color are you putting on a shoe? On a basketball shoe. On a basketball shoe. Not, not, yeah, not a slipper. Not a... My favorite color is red, so... Yeah, I think the best colorway is always the, the white, black, and red. It's just classic. You know, it's, 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 like it's the, the Bulls colors. Michael Jordan. Jordan, Mike. It goes with anything. Awesome. Uh, well, guys, this has been so fun. Thank you for the perspective and the... Uh, I mean, you guys are amazing players. You're amazing coaches. You're amazing people. Congratulations on 24-8. Thank Continued you. success. Thank you, Dave. And uh, Holden loves it. Holden loves totally. It. Duffy's yeah. son, Holden. Yeah. It's a great program. And uh, kids, go call these guys and go go train with them. They're the best. Come get this work. Yeah. No yeah. throwing up. Let's go to work. All right. Thanks, you guys. Yeah, really thanks for having us. Yep. Okay. Burke's on his feet. He looks up and gives me a grin and says, Hey, dude, you too must be from Marin.